Yeah, man. All right, let's do this. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Lone Wolf Podcast. I'm your host, Wolfson, and today we got a special guest in the building. We have another crazy local South Floridian killing it in the dubset scene, especially in the dubset scene. You know, you already know this cat is actually going to a lot of shows and a lot of festivals. So you're actually seeing a lot more, and especially coming over in the in the next couple of months before the year ends. Please say hello to the one and only the Hunter, let's go. What's good? What's good? Hey, what's what's going, up, man? What's going? Welcome to, uh, to the show, man. Welcome to the Lone Wolf Podcast. How's it going, man? Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. I'm excited to, to finally get to talk to you. Heard a lot of good things. Ah, I hope it's good things. You know, if it's bad things, I still want to yeah. hear it regardless. <laughs> no, no, of course. So first things first, before we get started, let's start to get to know each other a little bit. You know, so why don't you come out? You know what you do, where you, how long you've been doing it, and all that stuff. Give me that little short bio of yourself. So I've been working on music. Uh, I mean, I've been kind of like around it my whole life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't up until I think I was about like twelve, going on thirteen. I like begged my mom to buy me like my first doll, and from there on out, it was pretty much just losing sleep more and more every year. And mm-hmm. well, now I'm here. So pretty much it. That's that's I'm a pretty average Joe, but other than that, it's just music twenty four seven. That's what's up, man. So what 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 dog do you actually they bought you for? I so I I remember it was the it was like my summer break going into like I believe it was like middle school, like seventh grade or something. And at the time, like FL Studio was like finally like making a name for itself and like mm. popping off like crazy. So I remember. I begged her to buy it and she was like, this is too expensive. So I ended up asking for like the second tier. I think it was like the producer edition, like the the mid-tier one. Okay. And she was like, all right, here, I'm going to buy this for you. Just, just figure out what you want to do with it. And after that, and now I work in Ableton. I've been working in Ableton for like three years, four years now. And, All right. But uh, I started off in FL. I mean, FL is basically um, like the starting point for a lot of producers, believe it or not. You know, I remember when I started Ableton. Yeah. Jesus, like almost... What today's twenty twenty one? Back in two thousand six. Imagine oh, no that. Kidding. Huh? That's fucked. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, I remember. And back then, I, I used to live in the in the small island of Puerto Rico. So back then, it was just like, hey, you know, free loot. Say, like, can you do a reggaeton beats? And it was like just like the simplest shit ever. You just yep. you know, kick and snare, and that's pretty much it. You call it a day. You made you just made yourself a beat out of it. And I learned yeah, from I that. I actually end. started off really. Yeah, I, I started off, dude. I started off doing hip hop beats. I used to do, um, actually, like mainly what I think now is technically considered lo-fi, but um, mm. I have like a huge background in like sampling and like I just I used to love doing stuff like that. And the thing was, I was like a huge fanatic of electronic music, but I was mm. kind of like too shy or like I didn't really know like the right way of approaching how to make electronic music. Right. Um. But I think I remember like, I think it was like I ending, I ended up getting like massive or something. And I was like, oh, you can make some pretty cool shit with this. And then from there on, I was like using massive solely for like, oh, like maybe two years, three years. And then the rest was like silent and serum and all that. So I like slowly progressed into like the EDM stuff just because I don't know, I kind of stopped caring about being shy or whatever. And I was like, oh, maybe I could try it. So what actually prompted you to to actually say, let me tackle it right now. Like what actually got you like, you know what? This is it. It's because of this. Uh, I remember seeing. I, so 
growing up, I I was like my brother is is the reason that I'm super into electronic music. Mm. He was the one that like put me on the Prodigy, Daft Punk. Oh, um, okay. Like Tiesto back in the day. Okay. So I was I was super into that, and um, I was I was I just remember like falling in love with that, and when like the big room scene happened. I was like on that wave a hundred percent. And then um, I was like a huge Swedish house fan. Mm-hmm. So when I saw them split, I was like, damn, this kind of, this kind of sucks. I might as well start <laughs> learning how to make this. Cause you never know, maybe one day, right. but yeah, it, it was like a mixture of that. And, and I just kind of wanted to try something new and, and eventually I, I think that kind of falls on everything. It's just wanting to try something new. So how long you be actually making music? Um, well, I used to write songs on my guitar, um, probably since I was like nine or 10. Okay. So I used so, to take classes. So you yeah. definitely have that musical background, be, you know, before way, way back. Right, right. Yeah. And my dad, like he used to spin like, uh, for like his friends and family and clubs up in New York. And, uh, oh. and eventually when he moved down here, he had his entire like sound system. He didn't really let me touch it up until I was in like my teen years, but. Um, I would always like watch him and, and like study what he was doing. And I, I just, you know, I fell in love with the whole DJing aspect as well. Damn. So you, so it's in your blood, basically. Yeah, that's that's what he says. So <laughs> that's what he says. I mean, th- was that the reason why you actually fell in love of DJing and making music? I think what it was and like, it's crazy because I was doing a lot of deep thinking about this recently. Mm. It was he like I said, he didn't really let me touch like all his shit because he had like the original like CDJ 100s and like the Oof. first DJM, Oof. and like I used to be so infatuated. But I I was like uh, I don't want to say I was a klutz, but I was very um, I like always broke shit when I was a kid, so it was kind of tough for him to like let me around expensive stuff. So uh, I think it was uh, a part of like being told no that like made me want to do it even more. And uh, I remember like. One day, I, he like took a trip. I think he took a trip up north or something like that, and I mm. fucking like took all his shit into my room. I like burned a couple CDs like from some of my favorite tracks, and I would just start practicing in my room. And he came back down from vacation. He was like, "All right, well, I can't really do anything else now." So, <laughs> so basically, from breaking yeah. shit to now making shit. Yeah, well, it, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty well, much. Well, that's actually a pretty much cool, cool story. Now. It, you said that it, it all changed when you started listening to the Prodigy, to the Tiestos, to the Fonz, you know, and and then the whole big room era yep. came up, came about, and then you just jump on that wave. How did yeah, you actually much. get into bass then? Um, I remember. I think it mainly was having the hip hop background mm. because I I was obsessed with like I remember just always wanting like. Uh, whenever I would make like hip hop beats to just make sure that like my 808s were like blasting through the mix and like right. I just I don't know it, it was something about it I, I loved being able to feel the music mm. and when I transitioned over from like house and making like progressive house and big room I knew that I wanted to kind of uh, in a way circle back to what I liked doing the most which was making things sound like like having like some sort of swagger and that's okay. kind of where I started doing like the trap and bass music and and then I niched into dubstep and so do you still do do you still do your little trap music here and there or you just focus more mainly on yeah. dubstep no i'm i i try to well i'm i want to like say that i've i've been incorporating both a little bit more in my mm. music so um 
but I have I have definitely I have a lot more trap music than I do dubstep right now for sure. Okay. I mean that's not that's not yeah. bad. I mean uh, how long how long you started making bass music overall in general? I think um I wanna say it was probably uh, dude, it was probably like maybe mm, I wanna say like junior year of high school. Okay. I think I like sat down and I was like, you know what? This is kind of getting like redundant and I don't know how long Big Room is going to last. And I was like, I kind of want to make something that like hits hard. And when I, she inspired you so, to start making some, some of that heavy shit. Um, I remember actually hearing um, at the time he was going under the name uh, XVII, it's but he's now I. Vincent. Yeah, he has he has like a super he has he has like tracks with like millions of plays, but they were like um he kind of like molded at the same time as like Flashodamus was popping off. Okay. And he had uh he had like a super, super famous Alice in Wonderland remix. And I remember that I heard that and like from that point on I was I, I was like hooked. I was like, Yeah, I gotta start making shit like this. Like this is way too cool. Damn, was that in around the 2015, 2016 era? Yeah, around then. Damn, I'm, I'm trying to think who, who this guy is. Vincent. I never heard of it, to be honest. And you say he's been popping Yeah, before around, he used to go under that name. Before he has another name? Yeah, he used to be... like uh, Yeah, like I said, he was under the name XVII. XVII. And then he ended up changing his name to, to Vincent. And I remember like finding him like that and like i was like oh dude this guy's fucking dope i gotta make shit like him so damn, damn i'm i'm trying to figure out what uh, some of the trap guys at that time because shit then again that that whole that was a huge er that was a huge booming era for miami when it came to trap because everybody was just jumping on that wave before even jumping on the dubs and yep. i remember that gta blew it up from there floss Alice in Wonderland, um, A Track, shit. There was like a bunch of other other DJs. Yeah. Jello, I mean, Jello Claw, of course. Yellow like, Claw. Oh yeah, I remember seeing Yellow Claw. Do you remember? Uh, I mean, Carnage too. Yeah, Carnage, Carnage, Borgor. Um, yeah, yeah. There was right. like a so lot yeah, of people. Dudes. Yeah, there, damn. There was a lot of people that were into that whole tra <laughs> trap train, bro. And then, and then, I and then I heard a lot more. Jumping on that festival trap, which is basically like yeah, 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 like trap, but you know, with the mumbaton flavor into it, and going it very fast. Right, right, yeah, because that I remember that started off. I think that was Carnage that did that, where he was like, "Let me take a track, I'll put a side chain on it so that the, you don't hear the kick, and then I'm just gonna put hip hop drums on it, and then that was it, and then that shit blew the fuck up." Because I think he did the hardwell track or some shit like that. Oh yeah, yeah. He did a lot of um, spaceman. Yeah, spaceman. Yeah. So yeah, back so, then. But yeah, ever since then. Ever since then, you've been making bass yeah. music and been killing in the scene. I mean, have you? When do you actually start yeah. popping around here in the South Florida scene? So I, uh, I. This is funny. I like consider myself like I, I don't know if it's just because of like how I was raised or whatever, dude. But like, I never really like liked putting myself out there just because I don't know. I, I never really, I always like treated myself like as like the sideline guy. Oh, and, um, I, I literally remember I went to life in color one year, um, mm -hmm. before it turned into what it is now. And, is um, this is back when they had the local, 
Yeah. <laughs> this is back when they had the, the local stage. Right. And I remember seeing um friend Ozzy, who's Retro Boy, but he used to go as Explicit. Oh, and yeah. Then, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Ozzy, and then, man. Uh, of course. Yeah. yeah. That, it did. was him. I think it was him, Rampage, Snooko, and a couple other dudes, but specifically seeing Sigfig, who I ended up like partnering up with later on down the line. Right. So, and I remember I, I was like super interested specifically in his set because I was like, damn, dog, like you're playing the shit that I really fucking love. And like people are going crazy to this. And I remember like two months after that Life in Color happened, I like DM'd him and I was like, yo, um, I make music, dude. Is it cool if I, if I could like send you some shit? And uh, Alex was like mad cool about it. And he like listened to it within like three minutes. He heard it and he was like, holy shit. Like this kid's like kind of on another level. Oh. And then he kind of put me with the right people. And uh, I, we've talked about it before, like back when we were partners. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Alex like Loki gave me he gave me my start because he introduced me to like everybody that I'm cool with now. On top of like letting me play my own shows and and playing with him, like right. had it not been for me DMing him and me kicking it with him, I probably would have not played my first show. Interesting, but but even though you you were good friends with Ozzy, yeah, yeah, I was cool with Ozzy. I just never, I don't think I ever told him at the time that like I made music. I, oh. I was cool with just like being like. Like almost like a fan, you feel me? That's interesting, man. So, so was that because you went to Life in Color? That's what actually got you into like, man, I actually want to do this. Look how fun these guys are are having. Yeah, it was, it was, it was more so seeing people like me mm -hmm. doing the things that I wanted to do, but in a sense, I felt like I was a little too nervous to do it, or I didn't really know how to start. And I mean, even to this day, it, like I still make the music for myself. It's never been about like making it for everybody else's. If you like it, you like it. I'm, uh, but the music yes. at the end of the day is, is it's because I have fun making it. And I figured, fuck it. You know, like I think it sounds good. Let me see what else someone else. Say. Like I didn't expect him to like, you know, put me with everybody that I know now and like, um, and you know, like provide me the opportunities. In, in reality, dude, I, I just wanted feedback. And in turn, I got like, basically put where i am now so that's cool but that man. was that was pretty much it that was the start that was yeah the start and uh, a couple months after that yeah a couple months after that is when alex and i like sat down and he wanted to bring me on board for the project and i was super eager and that's when we became the duo as sigfig mm. and we like rocked it out that whole it was like two years give or take And it was just nonstop, like fun and making just track after track and playing show after show. And it was fun, man. It was, it was really fun. So hold on, man. So you say that it all started from Life of Color. Which Life of Color was that? Was that the one in 2016? I, I get confused with the year, mm. but I do recall that it was, it was towards like one of the, it might have been 2016 or 2017. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to remember which one, but I know for a fact it was the one that had the main stage for sure. Or it was the main stage and then the local stage. Sorry. Okay. Was it in Wynwood? I Yeah, it was definitely in Wynwood. Okay. So it's the 2017 one. That's the first time they actually started doing it in um, Wynwood. I was like, you know, 
home in Miami, right there in the in the right, right. In Mana. Yeah, that that's where they only had two stages, and that's it. Yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah, because before they were doing it at the stadium, and I had been going to those for like years, dude. Those right. were the fucking shit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my first festival yeah. was there in in the stadium in the 25th. 2016 one. Yeah, I think I think mine might have been that one, the first one that I, the first Life in Color that I had went to, and I, it might have been 2015. I'm not, I don't recall, but I remember like going and I was like, holy shit, like this is super well done and all that. Yeah, my first time ever performing was there in 2016. That was um, uh, Jack Yu was like the main headliners, Big Sean. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. And and then it, then they give us the the little shitty local stage, which was shitty because they didn't build one for us. Even though a lot yeah. of the locals was, were in the lineup. it was in that small ass room. No, us was in the it was in that small uh, ass room. Us was in the out in the open, out in the open with no stage or anything, and they just built a stage out of like shit, out of nothing. And all of a sudden, boom, we oh got we God. got something. it was like a house party. Literally, I was just like, wow, what the fuck? Like, first time playing and we gave us a, a shitty stage. And I was like, I had to go through people. I had to go through the heads of the guys. I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? We don't have a local stage. Where is the local stage? And I don't know what happened. <laughs> These guys move mountains. And all of a sudden, like, we we got people building a stage. And then that's where Explicit yeah. performed. That's that he was the first one, right. and then afterwards it was every other local ones. I remember DNA was doing his fin. Ah, oh know. yeah, that's right. DNA definitely played. Yeah, I remember that and too. then Rampage, and then after Rampage, it was me and Oddity at the time that we did our back to back, and then after that, it was just other people and you know wherever was was nets and shit and whatnot. But I remember at the time that yeah, we barely had any stage. If it wasn't for me and a couple yeah, of I, the guys complaining about it, we would have never performed straight up. No shit. That's crazy. Yeah, That's crazy. At, the, at that time, I was I was new in the industry. Well, new in this industry. I've, I've been working in the industry for for 10 years, like five in Puerto Rico and like five over here. And gotcha. When I when I when I realized when I realized I didn't build a stage, I was like, OK, so I guess this is how how shitty the industry really is, man. Yeah, I, I ended up getting to see that very, very quickly. Yeah. Like, mad quick. After Alex and I had started our stuff together, mm. um, and we started getting, like, a little bit more, like, eyes on us right. and more opportunities to play shows, um, we got to meet a lot of people, and we got to, like, you know, and I do air quotes, but we got to meet a lot of people, and it was... Uh, it's definitely like some fucking, I don't know, some foul shit, but yeah, it I is mean, what it is. It is what it is, man. I mean, if, if I tell you, well, I can tell you because I've been through it all, but I, my podcast basically exposes some of the ugly shit that I see, dealt, or experience, or what my homies has experienced with, you know? So if you see some of the clips, yeah. you'll, you'll yeah. see like, how ugly it could get. You'll probably be like, oh, yeah, I remember when this shit happens. Ah, yeah, I had a similar situation like this. It's like, oh, yeah. This is yep. What has been like the worst, worst truth that you've ever encountered in regards to this industry that you were like, oh, my God, I know this shit goes like this. 
Honestly, so the way I think I, I blame it more on just like how I am as a person. If I like had a bad feeling about something or if I felt like something was kind of shady, I would just like keep my distance. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in like hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. So right. if, if I like, I'll turn a blind eye. I don't care. That's how you guys do things. But um, to me, I honestly, it's not even like a fucked up thing. It's just like the whole, the way that like getting shows down here is, is like so fucking stupid. Mm. And um, now that I like, I'm like a little older, like I see more of like a hindrance of growth for a lot of local artists right. when in reality, you know, there should be opportunity for people to grow, but that just doesn't fucking exist down here. So, so what, what type of shit? I've that's been, pretty much it. You, you can't say anything that you say like, oh, this, this is how they book you guys. I can tell you my side um, of the story. It was no. Yeah. I, like, I, I mean, it's obvious, like the fucking ticket selling bullshit. Like, mm. We were banking out like thousands of plays on our SoundCloud and getting crazy interactions on Twitter and like people wanted to see us play. But hey, yeah, if you're not selling 60 plus tickets, you're not getting the slot. I don't give a fuck what your pull is on the internet. And it's like, okay, well, how do you expect me to like show out and have people come to the show if you're not even, if you're not giving us a fair chance to actually go ahead and like, you know, that was probably like the worst shit. Like, I, I fucking always turned a blind eye to like fucking people doing like doing their drugs in the green room or fucking pounding whippets or whatever like that. That shit never phased me because I was like, whatever, bro. People enjoy themselves the way they enjoy themselves. It was mainly like the business shit that like really rubbed me the wrong way. But I mean, when I understood like, damn, if this is how it's going to be, it's I, I mean, what can one single person do, you know? So. I agree, brother. I agree. And believe it or not, that's one of the reasons why I actually left that life of me being a promoter slash DJ. It's because of that, you know, connoisseur of business that, you know, you have to sell tickets. You have to sell. You have to promote every time you have to do street promo for you to get those shows. I found it ridiculous. But at the yep. time, I didn't care because I have a goal. I had a goal in my mind. I say I want to fucking play it in life and color. I want to play in some of these festivals and some of these shows. What is it that I have to do? Okay, if I have to do this, fine, I'll do it. And it's and it's later on in which I see how 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 it moves because when I went into a Florida tour with my boy Nitty Gritty, shout out to him. We went to Gainesville and we we sat down and we were having dinner with the promoters of Gainesville, you know, for the ones promoting his show. At the time, it was with Bonnie and Clyde as well. So, you know, obviously right, right, I, right. I was his I was his driver, you know, business manager was with us and the photographer. It was just us four. And we sat down. We started having dinner with the promoters and then. Some of the local artists at that time was part native who did a collab with Needy back then. And they were I remember part native. Yeah. Part native was crazy. Yeah, part native was dope. I, I, I remember Daryl yep. and, and Trip, you know, they were cool guys. And I remember that. But again, at that time, they were starting to, you know, little by little. They haven't got like big, big, but they were still, they still had to promote and shit, you know, because they were the only, I guess, the only big local artists in Gainesville at that time. I remember okay. that the promoters 
pass them the money. It's like, hey, here's here's the money for your show. And I looked at it. I was like, holy shit. He's paying. He's paying that to per- like, yo, how many tickets have you sold? And it's like, um, we haven't sold yeah. any tickets. We, uh, if anything, we 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 sold tickets to only to our friends if they want to show. If not, we didn't sell anything. It's like, so what's that money? It's like, oh, they're paying us to perform. We show them how good we are. See how it plays, and and we're playing. I'm like, what? I fucking wish, dude. <laughs> what? I fucking wish. What? Yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. That's nuts. Five hundred dollars for them to play, and I mean, split into two, it's two fifty. But still, you got to play, and you get paid to get play. Hey, I was. That's so fucking rare now, too, dude. Oh man, at that time I was just like, okay, now I'm starting to see how how it's then this shitty business really is because it's like, oh my god, don't come to Miami. They these motherfuckers will never pay you to play, even it. No, sir. Oh, yeah. oh my God. No, I I know now it's I mean, at least I heard rumors obviously when we were like coming up, like What's that it that? was the complete opposite. People were fucking paying for their slots. Oh, those are, like, not, those are not those are not rumors. Hey. Those are actually true stories. I I witnessed those stories. Yeah. I witnessed it. I could have yeah, at that point. I mean, it. hey, yeah, dude. At that point, look, get it. Get it however you're supposed to get it, however you feel is right. But I think me as a person, yeah, I like fuck that dog. <laughs> like nah, nah, yeah. Bro, like I yeah. I'm a I'm a broke college kid. I've been a broke college kid. I'm probably gonna stay a broke college kid for a while until you know, but dude, like I don't have fucking money to be spending. If you're not fucking booking me, which is what I yeah. I, I really appreciated like how how fucking low-key, like how Alex and I saw eye to eye on that because we knew as people and let alone as artists, like, yo, we're, we're like definitely worth a lot more than fucking like selling ourselves out like that and paying for fucking slots. I would rather not play a fucking slot and keep my integrity as an artist and as a person than fucking pay money just to fucking have an opportunity that I know is going to come in later on right. in the future. You know what? Look, I'd rather play for free than me paying for my slot. That's a whole shit, bro. Yeah, no. Like you got me fucked up if you think I'm going to pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God not once have I ever paid somebody to for my slot, not once. Everything majority of my my time was just for free. Get my name out there, promotion and shit, why not? Fine, I did it. I sold tickets. I kept some of the money to myself. I street promo. It helped me. I was it was benefiting my social media presence as well. So it was like a win win yep, for yep. me. So I, I wasn't so bugged about it or bun about it because I was still hungry and I needed that social presence. But yeah, I know a few people that they're no longer in the scene. Like you don't see them at all. And I haven't even heard from these people in a long time that they pay for their slots. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. But but you know what? You know what? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll take you a step even further. Because here it oh, comes. we're going deeper? I'm I'm all ears, dude. I'm on, I'm gonna go even further beyond. Something I've already mentioned this in a previous episodes. I don't care if I get flag a flag about this or they come after me. I mean, right now nobody's gonna come after me, but once this podcast started to pop and people start listening, yeah, they're gonna notice it. But you know, it is what it is. Like, I don't care. I mean, I started this podcast by saying, like, I'm going to be revealing some ugly truth shit, you know? I've already said it two, two times. 
once without their names and second time w with their names. But I'll say it to you, Bonnie and Clyde, there were fake artists from the get-go. Yeah. From the get-go. Yeah, 100%. From the get-go. 100%. I'll tell you, because their, their music was starting to get ghost produced by my boy. Yeah. Their music. Yeah. I, I remember hearing about all of that. I remember hearing about all of that. And what was funny is I remember hearing about it. And then going back to listen to their music and then comparing like the mix downs and the instrumentation. Bruh, and I'm like, bruh. yo, did Ricky? I'm like, yo, Ricky was all over this, of dude. No, like, holy shit. Of course, bro. Yeah, dude. But obviously, he had that. to do it because of business wise, because the manager at that time, you know, he was trying to make Bonnie and Clyde like the Nets level shit. They, they're trying to make them superstar level yeah, people, yeah. you know? And Ricky is about to get inside into the industry. I remember. And and, and they told us, like, we need to reinvent you. So before I I focus on my energy on you, let me focus my energy on them first. And once they blew up, like, once they got, all right, let's go all on you. But for now, I need your favor. Make some music for them. That's pretty much more or less how it happened, you know? And I remember that. Fucking Bonnie and Clyde. Like, like, I feel bad for Paul because put Bonnie and Clyde on EDC Vegas. He put them yeah. over there to perform for the first time on stage, main stage or something like that. I don't know. Probably in the earlier sets or something. But it, I, I didn't hear it from Paul for anyone else. I heard it from someone that's close to to the time that when I heard that they were playing it, it, it they, the guy was telling me like, oh, yeah, because and put down some money for them. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, that's, like, yeah, like that's they, they put they put money for them to be there to perform because and and then they'll basically say like if you, if they succeed in the performance, you know, then all right, then they'll be booking. So he's just investing on them on that show so they could get the returns back on other shows and shit, whatnot. So he put down some that's money. Such bullshit. Dude. And then put fucking Clyde or Daniel to school to audio school icon because <laughs> that's the, fucking crazy because the motherfucker doesn't know how to do music and it was getting to the point in which these two were getting a little bit you know cocky they were getting you know like right, cloud right. or feeling like i'm the hottest shit you know so they were having some yeah, internal they were letting conflict. you get to their heads yeah they were having some internal conflicts and then the, that's where people saw the signal it was like all right you need to make start making music you need to learn he's not gonna be able to make more music for you and that's where you know focus his energy at that and can you right, believe right, that right, after right. all of that after he put you up the mat could you believe that they left him for nightmares manager will runzel that's a yeah, whole shit look where they're at now that's a whole shit that is no that's the biggest that's the biggest like that's grade a whole shit that's that's i don't know man that that could never be fucking. I don't know how people think like that, dog. That's fucking sad. I always knew that Clyde since the very beginning that I met him. I always knew that he was a stuck up, obnoxious prick. Like I knew it. I it's it's those instincts that you feel when you're around people and you and you feel that there's certain there they move on a certain way and you're like, huh? Hold on, right. Like you were saying, you had that incident of yours when shitty shit is around, you tend to stay away from it. You turn the blind a blind eye and move right, along. Right. And you know, it's like I got nothing else to do with this. You know, if you guys get in trouble, that's on you. I have I have no idea. 
100%. I had the same feelings where I never got into it. Like, the, the guy loves to get himself lit. Like, his Facebook name was Daniel Litman. Because every show he goes, he drinks for free. <laughs> he gets stupid wasted. And he, te- he takes, like, I don't remember on the on the tours that, I, that I've been with those guys. But I remember that, I don't know what it was. He, he was popping mollies and shit. Like, I don't know. I was just like, ah, okay, let me just like walk away. I don't want to be near him. But yeah, he was just getting wasted all on every show. There were even times in which they fuck up their set and then he just like rinse it out like nothing happened and just like go on. I'm like, how the hell is this happening? (laughs) How are we letting this douchebag? What? What? Yeah, it's like the fucking like he can't keep getting away with this. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, no way. Like somehow karma's gonna bite him the ass and it's gonna bite him big time for his decisions that he has done, you know? And it's that's insane, dude. Yeah, bro. And it's and it's just and that's just the tip of the iceberg um um when it comes to booking on artists and you know paying for their slots and shit, whatnot. That's just some of the stuff that I know. You have no idea some of the other shady shit. That happens when it comes to record labels, you know? And I did a whole episode. Actually, oh, no, yeah. I did it two, actually, not a whole episode. I did two episodes. One in which it was involved about reading contracts with these record labels that you need to read contracts. And if you are, if you don't understand, take it to someone that understands. Like, take it to your parents or someone that knows business or a lawyer. Hire a lawyer if yeah, you have to. A lawyer. Like whatever, let let them read it and tell you whether it's good or bad. If the lo- if the fucking labels tells you, nah, 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 don't read it. You have to sign it. Like walk away, walk away. Like don't ever yeah. sign that because those are the contracts that's gonna fuck you in the ass. And the second video that I did was was just recently, not too long ago, was very simple. Stop sending demos to labels. And the reason why I say that is because labels. In today's world, nowadays, they're no longer looking for, you know, your your talent. They don't really care about right. your talent. They don't care about your music right. because right. let's face it. How many times have you heard labels are very good labels, grade A labels? How many times have you heard like songs that you feel like, I feel this song is weak or I feel like this guy could have done a better job or is like not feeling it like. How many times have you heard it? I've had moments where I'm like, no, yeah, I've had moments where I'm like, it's more like, why the fuck is on? Why is this on the label? Like, right. why is this on a compilation release? Exactly. Like, this doesn't fit at all. Exactly. But the reason why is because, like I said in the episode, is that labels in today's world, they're no longer about talent. They're looking more about your social media presence. What type of pool do you have? You know, if you it doesn't matter how many followers you got, as long as they see that there's numbers in your in your interaction in your social medias, they fuck with it. And they see those numbers, and then you're a producer and you want to send music. Oh shit, yeah, come over. Because obviously, whatever traffic that you're gaining, they want some of that. They want some of that. Right. So, so right. all of your 100%. people, all of your fans, 100%. everybody that's following you. They'll release one music on your music to their label. Then all your fans is going to go to that label. And then all the and then they will gain more, more notoriety, more following, more, more streaming, more plays, because that's that's money right there. Every play counts now. It's 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 cents like it's like a quarter or less than a quarter per play. 
for them. So it's yeah, like, it's like it, a, I think it's like a tenth of a cent or some shit. Yeah, like that. It's, a, it's a ridiculous amount. I think it's amount. like a tenth of a cent. Yeah, so it's a ridiculous yeah, amount. Yeah, it's and, it's some stupid shit. So now they they only care about your social media presence. They they really don't give a shit. Like if you do have a weak social media presence, but you are literally at the same level as a virtual writer, as a zombie, as an incision, they're not yep. gonna look at you. Unfortunately, your music might be the dopest shit ever, but your social media it ain't there. It ain't there. And I did a whole yep. episode. That's about why that. uh, I I'm like I came to that realization uh rather recently um. After last year, I noticed mm. specifically while we were dealing with COVID, I saw I saw the beauty of it that what the community of the EDM world is possible of doing. Right. And I even like I'll even go far I'll even go as far to like talk about like how brownies and lemonade do it, mm. where they they look specifically for like the underdogs. And they want to go give those people the opportunities because maybe, yeah, sure, you're lacking in followers, but your shit bang. So let's put you on an early slot. Let's see how you do. And those are the things that like, I, I really, like, really, really appreciate because a lot of those kids that get picked up by them are like fucking, they're like me or like my friends where right. they make really good music and maybe their social pull isn't necessarily the strongest, but they're able to have an opportunity now because certain people are looking at it from a different perspective. I can't say that for fucking every other label or no, group no, or no. collective in the world, but right, yeah. I I did I did I, I let me put that disclaimer again. I ha, now I had to keep reminding myself that disclaimer. I did mention in in the early episode. It's like there's some labels that are in it for the community. Like if I and I put examples, Subsidia is in it for the community. Like Ascension is always yep. looking yep. for new 100%. talent all the time. Like if you manage to get Ascension's email and you send them your music and if it's a bangs he's gonna listen to it he will fuck with it he'll download it he'll play it and if it's good enough for him to put it on yeah. his label he'll put it up so yeah subsidia is definitely one of those labels that is definitely looking for a new talent i mean shit the first compilations more than half of the people that were in those compilations i didn't know who the fuck were the those probably one yep. person and it was my boy shoku shout out to him from la it was probably the only person that I know out of all those new cats that joined that joined that compilation. New one. I didn't even know anyone else. And yet they slap. They slap. They were just like, yeah, dude. shit. Yeah, They're dude. like, I can see why. Disciple Records is another one. When they actually do these yep. little competitions, and it's the one that's currently right now, the Rebets competition. I have I have my mixed feelings when it comes to these remix competitions, but needless to say, they are still putting out new talent out there. They're still looking for new talent and they just give it, you know, here's here's our acapella, submit it. If it's dope, you get an official release. You know, those few labels, yep. absolutely. They're in it for the community and I fuck with that. I love it. But, yeah. the, but grand majority... Perfect example. Talking, yeah. The per the perfect example is actually with Disciple, not this current remix competition, but the one that they did prior. Mm -hmm. I had been following Control Freak for like a while. Oh, and I knew that he had bangers out. Right, I knew that he had bangers out a hundred percent, but he still wasn't like put up on that platform. And he had like that one remix that everybody was playing, the La Resaca remix. Yeah, and that shit was like popping off all over the place. And then he ended up getting put. I think he ended up winning uh, yeah, one of the virtual riot remixes. Yeah. And and after that, dude, he took the fuck off. Like he's Yo. already into like he's in space now. Yeah. So 
I yeah, I agree, dude. I really, really do appreciate shit like that because it's it's like a person I think that knows what it's like to fucking hustle and want to get your tracks out there, and they're giving the opportunity to like the underdog. So that's and that's what honestly I fuck with that a lot, dude. Yeah, I I just wish that a lot of labels will follow those type of paths. You know, I wish that you know labels like Disciple and Subsidia, you know. There could be a little bit more in it for the community, but you know, you basically after after a while that you'll be working in this industry, you basically kind of see like the true colors of everyone. Like you kind of see how how this label and these people work, how these people work, and so and so. So you so you kind of undermine everyone else, and then you just like fuck with only the the few that you have left, and you just like you know I'm gonna take my chances and my shots with these people because these other motherfuckers, yeah, nah. Nah, yeah, dude. and it and it's so and it's, and it's shocking that you know some of these labels to this day like they always say like oh yeah we're EDM we're in it for the people but they're not they're, they're not, not at all dude <laughs> they're not at all bro I always like to quote I always like to quote um okay and Ikali mm. because they I remember seeing a tweet and like it's drilled into my head. Um, but there was a discussion about that on Twitter. It was like one of those like loose threads okay. and, um, okay. And Ikali chimed in and I remember they quote tweeted it and they were like, this is kind of horseshit the way that things are being run right now. But realistically, if you put your heart into the music and the music sounds good, you're going to make it. There's always going to be maybe, of course you're not, who knows you, maybe you're not going to play fucking, you're not going to close out EDC main stage. But you're definitely get, gonna get put into the community that's gonna get you somewhere better than where you're at. But as long as you stay true to yourself and you don't involve yourself in no bullshit, right? And you're a good person at heart, yeah. and your yes. music's good. Yes, that's the only, that's the formula. And yeah, and that and that you're having fun doing it. And that's Absolutely. literally it. That's literally the perfect formula. I agree, bro. I agree. And and I'll add a little bit more on that. Have that patience and have that consistency. You know. Be patient about, you know, yep. like just because the net, the guy next to you who started late and all of a sudden is now getting picked up and you're not doesn't mean you're not going to get picked up. Everybody has their own lane. You exactly. Know? Everybody has their own time. Exactly. You just have to be patient about it and wait until your time comes. When, because when your time comes, you better be ready because shit is about to pop yep. off right away. And also be dedicated and consistent about it, bro. Like. A lot of these artists, which a lot of these locals that are no longer with us, the one thing they lost is the consistency. You know, they weren't consistent right, enough. Right. You know, they were at the beginning, but then when they started seeing other stuff and, and it didn't went the way they, they wanted to go, they started to lose that consistency. And you need to be consistent about it because, yes, all that stuff that you mentioned, yes, apply to that plus the patience and the consistency because sometimes people do give up and it's um something that my boy um I I interviewed him not to, mm, just just yesterday we were talking about this and he was telling me like there's two type of people the guys that you know they went into a search for a gold of mine and one of them managed to start late and the other one was keep digging 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 and haven't found a nugget but the guy that started late managed to find a nugget 
And then the first guy got to cut discouraged because it's like, shit, he found a nugget. I didn't like I quit when he could have realized that if he could have just dig at just a little bit, he could have actually found yep. a whole pile of gold for him. And it's because he lost that consistency. If he would have kept it going. Yeah, yeah, dude. And and I've it's, seen it's, it. It sucks. It sucks because a lot of people are super talented and mm-hmm. it fucking sucks. You know, that like you really have faith in a person and... I mean, even if it's someone that you just follow on on like social media, like I, there was one dude in specific that I fucking like I found he had dude, no joke. Mm. He had like 30 followers. Mm. He posted one snippet of a track and within like a month he was on a disciple release. And after that, I have yet to what? hear from him. I have. Yeah, dude. He Yeah, I haven't heard from him like at all. I, and like I'll, I'll like casually check because I still play like his tracks out. Like live because Ooh. they're fairly recent. Who's this guy? Uh, he goes under the name. He goes under the name Seven, but I haven't fucking heard from him. Seven, and um, I could probably look it up for you. Yeah, let me see if I see it. Is that on SoundCloud? He's on SoundCloud. Yeah, definitely. Let me see if I can pull it up for you. Seven, uh, and he released on Disciple. Yeah, dude. How do you spell he, his he name? He literally grew overnight. I'm trying to look it up right now. But he, but yeah, essentially, I'm gonna see if I can find it and like, I'll I'll send it all to right. you. But like, all dude, right, his man. his shit like went crazy, dude. Like, and I remember just seeing it. I think what it was, I was lurking through somebody's likes. Okay, I think it was like another bigger producer DJ. Like, I was going through their likes to see maybe if like if they fucking liked like a track or some shit that like I didn't know about or went under my radar. And uh, oh, found it, found it, found it, found it. So seven is the number seven. And then E V E N, dude, and like his shit is insane, bro. Like, I I don't know what happened, like at all. But he was one of those that he just like popped off, bro. He he popped off, and he had a disciple release. And after that, I I don't know what the fuck happened. Like, I was I was so was ready se- to hear se- more from him. Seven E V E N. I just DM'd him. Uh, your I just DM'd you his account on Twitter if you want to take a look at it, bro. But like two hundred and seventeen followers. He's followed by like all the San Diego Water Boys. Nitty follows him. Um, Quicks follows him. Vincent follows him. Gom follows him. Like the people that you know, I fucking like would like lose my shit over if they followed me. And he just fucking I don't know, bro. The last time that he he posted was on wow September eighteenth. How could I've never heard this guy? And I follow, dude. I'm a, I'm literally a disciple. How the fuck did I never heard this guy? It went by super low key, dude, and like it caught me off guard. But oh my I remember God. hearing it, it and it was one of those round table. Oh shit! Yeah, dude. He released an uh, EP on the round table. That's yeah, why. bro. That's why. And all of those tracks, all of those tracks, bang! Yeah. Like, there's not a bad, I, yeah, there's well, not a single bad track. Yeah, dude. But I haven't heard from him since. And like, those are those are like one of the things. Like, I don't know if he got discouraged or if you know, like maybe he just stopped going or he got too much traction at one point. He didn't know what to do. Like, no idea. But or maybe I, to this day, I still play his tracks. Maybe. Maybe he felt accomplished. Maybe he feel accomplished. That be- could be it. Because, hey, let me let me tell you, my goal in life and when it comes to music releasing, I say one day I want to release a song, a song. Doesn't have to be an album, an EP, 
just one song, and it could be a collab. I don't care. One song in Monster Cat. Right. If I ever release okay. a song in Monster Cat, I'll retire from music. Like I'll leave my mark from there. Like, like guys, I did it. I released a Monster Cat. Like, I don't know how much more can yeah. you go further yeah. than that, other than the, another the fact that yo Monster Cat, one of the biggest. EDM labels in the world and my shit got released there like uh, yeah I, like I will retire from music forever like that's it like I did it they're like there's yeah, no dude. other to me there's no other better accomplishment other than the fact that I made it and once I get that it's like alright call it quits like I don't care if anybody hits me up it's like yo we'll be dope if you can release on a disciple or here and there I was like eh we'll see we'll see man we'll yeah. see if I feel yeah, about it because Maybe, maybe that's it because something I always notice, like, you know, everybody has their own sense of, of accomplishments. Like they feel like I, I made it in my own perspective. Maybe my definition of success is not the same as your definition of success. Of course, you know? of course, of course, so of course. That's why like in my perspective, when I stopped DJing over, over together, I was just like, I'm satisfied. I was kind of sad that I, c I couldn't go on, but I was satisfied due to the fact that Hey, I set up my goal. I did what I came to do when I moved here. I played in Life in Color. I played at a few other festivals that I that I that I was bananas out of it. I play for shows. I opened. I close. I prime time shit. Like like I'm satisfied. Yeah, like I'm satisfied to the fact that I did it. Like I actually you know did some of these shows and I was able to release music on labels too. I'm satisfied yeah, for dude. that too. Like that's for me. That's that's my my accomplishment. I say like yeah, as a as a as a producer. Now, as me as a person, I still got too many stuff to accomplish, man. I got bigger yeah, goals, bro. Like the podcast is definitely number one in my priority right now. That like, this is the one. Afterwards is other stuff. You know that later down the road we can work it out. But you know, podcast is my number one priority. So like, yeah. So maybe, maybe, that, maybe the guy like, you know, the fact that he did it, he's like, okay, I'm good. Like I, I, I'm good with, I'm good with life right now. Yeah. Like you could just kind of chill after that. I feel that. I feel that. I mean, it's, a, well, it's I mean, a, Hey, it is what it is. Yeah. It's a sense of accomplishment. You know, you say like, you know, not many people can actually has that opportunity. Just like people will kill to get that opportunity just to release one song. Yep. With one of these labels, you know, and get that recognition. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of them. <laughs> I can tell you right now I'm one of them. I mean, so I haven't listened to your music yet. So I'm pretty sure you're going to send me some stuff, man. I'll take a listen to it, man. But I'm pretty sure yeah, you're definitely. a dope producer. I have a bunch of shit. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate oh. it. Yeah. I have a bunch of shit in the vault that I could send you that I'm probably going to be dropping now in the next couple of months. Actually, we're in October. So probably like in the next couple of weeks. So. Hey, That's good. Start planning, man. But, uh, start, yeah. start making the marketing plans. You know, start you know posting stuff here and there. Of course. You know, my music coming soon. It's coming out. You know, why not? You know, let me tell you, it's if you have a lot of music out there and you believe and you believe that it's actually at that level of good, like you're realistically like. Like, you know, the mid scene, the mastering and the execution was good. Then fucking release it. Release it. Because yeah, it's man. better off. 100%. It's better off to have it out there in the world than to have it shoved up in the drawer. You know, that was one of my mistakes yeah. no, early on. You know, early on, I actually had a bunch of 
songs. And I play some of those songs in my sets. And people were asking like, yo, when are you releasing this, this, and that? And I'm like, damn, I, f- I don't <laughs> think I'm ever going to release that. All because I had that mentality that, well, shit, I released my music to these labels. Let them release it. Like, why should I? But then things turned to a... a to another way and then I started to see more of the how labels really work I was like eh okay maybe I maybe not maybe not but then this year I started to come back again I'm making music and I did a, a few projects I decided like eh before the year ends let me just release a, a couple you know now next week I'm actually yeah. I'm releasing a song so it's gonna I'm, oh, I'm, ex- yeah. I'm, I'm excited yeah. for it it's my first metal step song and November, which is my my oh, birthday no month, it's gonna be uh, another song. Hope it, more of a melodic dub set. Hopefully that one could be done and just like, all right, let's go for it, you know. And I'm gonna be doing yeah, this shit of course, like that dude. because let me tell you, back then my music, my music was good, but it was never like, oh shit, I sink my teeth good, you know. And I have no problem admitting that. I know, I know yeah, my expectations. I'm, I'm. I know my reality and my fantasies, you know, like I, everybody was always saying like, oh yeah, my song is the hottest shit. Like, bro, fucking this guy played it. It's like, okay, good. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe to my ears, it sounds like shit, but you know, if this guy played it, like, eh, what the hell do I know? Right. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I'm in the same exact boat. If like, if I make something and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. I have like one edit in specific. Mm-hmm. That is probably going to be the first thing that I I put out in in hopefully a couple of weeks. Um, it was one of those things where like I remember making it and I was like, oh, it was pretty cool, and then playing it in the car for my friends and they're like, holy shit, you need to like put this out asap. And then now that track became like the opener for a majority of my sets. Oh, and like you know, which is cool. So yeah, that that's like it's one of those now. So it's like, oh, right, cool. So now I'm like. Paying a little bit more attention to it and and bouncing off of that, but um, but yeah, it, I mean, I can see it. I can see like where you kind of have like, I don't want to say it's like self doubt, but it's just not necessarily like something you're, you're, you're like you kind of treat it like oh, it's just another another project for me. Yeah, but so, I, I like that. later I I decided to be treated like that because before I had so much pressure that was unnecessary pressure that I was putting into myself because like. You know, expectations, time, reality. I'm not doing this. I'm being lazy. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm getting writer's block and shit and whatnot. It's not going through. Like I need this done, and it, it's not done. So it's like a lot, a lot of things. And I was like, man, I'm tired to be feeling unhappy. I'm tired to feel pressure all the time by just making a song. So it's like, fuck it, bro. You know what? Let me take a hiatus, bro. Let me just stop making it. And then I fell in love with podcast, which is now this is going to be my new thing. And I love it way more and more than I ever loved with making music. That's a fact, bro. Oh, yeah, dude. And this year I decided to like, just for the fun of it, it's just like, let me revisit some of my old projects. Like when I did, I, I feel like I, the magic came back to me. And then I, I started to, you know, goof around and just listen to old projects and let me revamping them. And all of a sudden it's like, Holy shit! I actually made a couple of tracks. It's like, yeah, dude. God damn! Like, all right, cool. Yeah, and all to right. tie that back in, it, it it literally, I can guarantee you, like, 
you had fun doing that. Yeah. You know, I did. And that's, and that's where, that's where, that's where that fucking matters, dude, is, is I feel like, yo, it it doesn't matter. It may get 10 plays. It may get 10 million plays, but if you had fun doing it and you want to put it out, put that shit out. And I feel like that's exactly how you're supposed to look at when you're, when you're chasing this type of career, that's how you're supposed to look. Because if you ask everybody, every big, artists out there and i asked this to to ricky as well you know like everybody will tell you it's like yo i just did this for fun of it you know i wasn't expecting much but i was happy i was doing it it was that's it every artist had that same similarity it's like you know i just did it because it was fun like it got my curiosity started messing with stuff i want to try something new and then this shit happened like yeah, that's dude. how you take advantage of it, bro. Like, that's how you do things. Not because a lot of people, especially here in South Florida, a lot of people do this because of the <laughs> yep. fame and the glory and the money and the alcohol and the bitches and shit and whatnot and the drugs. It's like, see, they're <laughs> in it for the wrong reasons, you know? And that's exactly why yep. those people are going to fail much harder than everyone else, you know? Like, again, I, I keep circling back. But the locals that I that I grew up with, where the fuck are they right now? Like, where's yep. ha- Hazardous? Yep. If you remember Hazardous, where's Rampage? Oh, holy shit. You remember th- those holy two? Holy shit. Yeah, you're right. Rampage. I don't yep. know what happened to Rampage. That's to crazy. Um, explicit, like Ozzy uh, took a hiatus and then he came back as Retro Boy. And who else? Like, who were who else was always in my lineups? Like, there was there was a bunch of people that are always with me on the on these lineups and oh what's his name um there was that one dude who's the other guy um so many he's like a white boy yeah I know I'm thinking um, of a white boy too um I'm trying to remember he had a like a crazy name uh Cata, catastrophics I think he was oh catastrophics hey. yes. He was, I remember seeing him all over Twitter all over, and then bro. just one day gone. Bro, I saw him all, all shows. Every show that I either promoted or played, he was there. Especially the Bear yep. Girls. Like, I remember he was he was good friends with Bear Girls. So he, every Bear Girls show, he's always there. Right. Yeah, and performing. Yeah, yep. catastrophic. That's right. Um, Dude, yeah. Ravager, I remember that. I remember I mean, that era, bro. Yeah, bro. There was just a lot of people there, you know. There, there was just a lot, a lot of talent there. But then, where are they now? I know Catastrophics. Yep. yep. I know Catastrophics. Um, he always wanted it for you know because he loved it. You know that Dubset was his thing. Like Rhythm Dubset, that was his thing. You know, but um, Rampage. That, Rampage is the the white boy, right? The the one he d- who does um yeah yeah Snookos Jack back to yeah. back Jack Jack right, I remember it. Yeah yeah yeah. I I always felt that ah, Jack was his his intentions weren't really there, you know, or he always had pick up a, a beef for everybody, you know. I remember like he had a beef yeah. For that's everybody. that's where I remember too. That's I remember a, that too, where it was just always like tension. Yes, there's always tension around, even if you're trying to like. You know, be cool with him and you know help him now and stuff. There's you feel like this like shrugness from with him, and you're like, you know, yeah. like dude, chill yeah. out. I remember yeah. this that motherfucker you, like the, 
like you know have have problems with me. He he has me blocked on on social media. I don't know why. I don't know. Do you know what's wild too? I like I knew I knew Jack. Like I would speak to him because he was like a mutual friend, right? In a group chat with like a bunch of friends that like I knew, and it was like before he even started releasing or like playing shows for real. And like he always came off as like a super chill, like actual person. Really? But then when I started hearing about like he yeah, he started having like I, I was just surprised that it was the same it was the same person because I was like, damn, bro, like I didn't know that he was like this type of person, like, you know, out in, in the music world. Like the way I knew him, he was like mad cool. We would like joke about shit and like, but it wasn't up until like I remember hearing like tension with him and like a bunch of other locals, and I was like, dude, like that's so not you, man. I don't but, know, bro. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, and I met him a couple of times, and I I was with him with Snuko because me and Snuko were, were tight. You know, I helped him out, and he helped me up on you know DJ shit and whatnot. We done back to bats together. Uh, Snuko is a cool dude, and he's very good friends with Jack. So obviously, like, all right, since you're good friends with Jack, and I and this is before I've heard all these stuff about it, and all these times, all the times I'm with him. I, I was I was I did my best to be cool with the guy, you know. I'm always like, you know, chill. Yeah, yo, you cool? Yeah, that's that's what's up, you know. But then I've heard stuff Thanks. from him that was talking mad shit about me, about stuff like makes absolutely no sense. And I get, but then again, like they had there at that time there there were lots of people that were talking mad shit about me, bro. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's, I, I mean, all right, cool. I, hate I mean, that dude. I I remember one time. One of my boys told me that he was at EDC Orlando and my boys, he was at EDC Orlando and he and his manager were around there. And one guy by coincidence uh, said my name on it and he's like, oh, Wolfset is here. And he said like, oh, no, no, no. I just heard his new music and shit. I was like, oh, fuck that. Fuck that guy. I was like, oh. And then his manager says like, yeah, fuck that N-word. What they didn't realize, what they didn't realize is that they were around my people. They were around. I know exactly who it is too. And like, I know exactly yeah, who it is too. Okay. Like, Don't worry. I'll, I'll believe, I'll believe the words out, you know, but it was. It no, was no. Around. Yeah. And the people that were around yeah. there was, uh, was, um, Manny and me, me okay. and, and he, cousin and I were tight people like that's my brother he when he told me that I was just like okay like why yeah, that's why like, like why what the hell did I do be just because I stopped fucking around with him just because like I literally went on my own and decided to like I want to do this solo project on my own I don't want their hell just because I started to do fits on my like what and mind you I'm the guy who helped these motherfuckers to be where they at right now because if it wasn't for me yeah. that put them on the map on um, on those shows that we were played together, would have basically ignored them. They would have not give a fuck about yeah. them. But I'm the one who told, hey, hey, like you know, he's he's gonna do a for me. Like he's cool people and shit, whatnot. Yeah, man. Cool. We've I've had my run-ins with I've had my run-ins with all those people um, on various occasions, mm. um, and I've partied with them like a couple of times, you know, and. They're cool, but it's one of those relationships where I feel like if you're smart about it, you're going to keep it at just the surface. It's not going to be any deeper than yeah. like a, hey, what's up, yo? Like, how are you, bro? Like, how's everything? And that's it. 
Yeah. Because, bro, I like I can I can already like now that you told me that like I it's not even like I could already see that happening. You feel me? So I know that the there's the the especially down here, it's like everybody's like that, bro. It's so it's so gross. And like I'm an introvert too, bro. Like I'm a homebody. I don't like I don't like if I go <laughs> it's so fucking funny because I'll go to play a show. I leave right after. Yeah, like, I, I, I can't feel the same bear, way. I can't bear I, to stay. I feel the I same way. I don't stay, like. Bro. I don't like clubbing. I don't like staying long in shows. Like, and when I'm in festivals, I I'll do whatever I have, uh, whatever it takes to have in my power to be on backstage because I cannot be outside. I cannot be with the crowd. I don't like it. I'm not into that. You know, I'm not in it. I just want to be there to yeah. support either my homie which is my closest, closest homies or me and myself performing. And once they're done or once I'm done, I'm out. Yeah, I'm dude. out. I'm like, that, I'm, I did my job and the, I'm out. The, yeah. The, the, literally the last time I opened up for Nightmare, um, Labor Day weekend. Mm. And that was the first time, bro. And like, no joke, like two years. That, or it was a year because I did it for IO. Rest in peace, IO. Oh, rest um, in peace to Garrett, man. Yeah, dude, that guy was that that fucking guy had everything, bro. Like he had everything that was gonna take him to the top. I'm still like so fucking sad about that. But I remember going to um see Marvin Baxel at a show in Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. just because he's like one of my best friends. I'm gonna fucking go support him. And it was Wayne and I, and we were both like he kept trying to like coerce me to go see IO at space. Right, and I had bought a ticket before twelve, but it, Marvin went on at a specific time, so I wasn't able to like make it to IO without having to pay more. And I was like, "Fuck, dude! Like, how am I going to do this?" And I'm like, "Nah, you know what? I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to go out. I promise you, I'm not going to stay out late. I'm here to okay. support my friends, and that's it." Yeah. And literally, I kept saying it. I kept saying. It, I kept saying it. And like, I blinked, and I opened my eyes, and I was at space with with Wayne at fucking. At, at IO and I stayed out till like 4.30 bro and I was like fuck and then I just did it again for the first time since then when when I opened up for Nightmare Dude and um, I fucking like we got like the only thing that I was looking to forward after was like just getting IHOP and going yeah. home and fucking going to sleep dude damn I feel you bro I feel you yeah yeah, there were a lot of times um, I went with my boys, you know, and once I played, it's like, yo, I'm ready to go. It's like, all right, bye, let's go. Fucking go. Cause yeah, unless- straight up. And, well- and that's how I go about with any show. Like, unless it's someone very important that that's one of my homies or me, that's the only reason I'm going. I'll see them, support them. Once they're done, all right, bye. I'm out. That's it. I'm, I'm not staying any longer. And, yeah. and even so... Even even so, where when I go, I always want to try to make sure to be like in the corner of every every spot because I don't exactly I don't exactly. I don't exactly I don't want to interact with anybody. I'm just minding my own business, doing my thing, just you know here to support my boys. yeah. You're there for the art, bro. You're there for the culture of your friends and and that. You know yeah. what's funny about that too? What? Now that we were talking because we started talking about it earlier, you had mentioned what's like a fucked up situation. And it's not really a fucked up situation. It's just like, it was about to be a fucked up situation. And I kind of just was like, yeah, I'm not going to deal with this. But I was supposed to play. Um, I want to say I was opening up for Yultron at Treehouse a couple of months oh. ago. Oh. And yeah, and it was it was a cool set. Like I had a perfect set time. I was like playing not too late, not too early. Mm. And it was it was going to be mad chilling. Dude, and like, 
fucking three days before the like the show, mm-hmm. I get a text from the person that booked me because they were a part of Apex. And um, they texted me and they were like, oh, hey, your set time got pushed back. And I'm like, okay, so am I playing later? Or am I playing earlier? Okay, and they're like, nah, I you're, see, I see you're, you're, pr- you're pretty okay. much... You're like, you're like, yeah, you're going to pretty much like... You're going to play after the opener. And I'm like, like, all right. And I part of me was like, I wanted to ask like... I was like so like pissed off because I was like, dude, I just... I just rebranded. This is like these are the first shows coming out of COVID. I'm excited to play again. I'm excited to like start doing things on my own again. And that and like I kind of was just being ignorant and forgot how fucking stupid like some of these people think and the way that they act. And I was like, dude, whatever. I'm just gonna make the best of it. But then that same person texted me right after that we had unlimited guest list. So what did I do? I went into all my group chats on my phone. I told, yo, everybody, like, what are you guys doing this date from this time to this time? And they're like, oh, not, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be playing a set at Treehouse. And long story short, bro, I pulled up with like 20, 25 people. They pulled up for my set. They went crazy for the set. They brought in a crowd. And since it was unlimited guest list, they all came in under my name. The second I finished, everybody, let's dip. We're going to IHOP. And then the room was empty right after. Bruh. Cause like, dude, that's not like if you're gonna play chess, I'm a fucking great chess player. Like, I'm not gonna let you do that to me and then think that it's okay. So the room was like the room was empty after. And the room, bro, what's even worse was like if it's somebody that I know that like has worked hard Mm -hmm. that takes my slot, I'm a I'm a thousand percent cool with it. But it was some fucking random dude. I still don't know who the fuck he is. Mm. And Dude, he. It, I knew it was some dumb shit because he was loading in his USB at the end of my set. And I'm thinking this guy is like with Ultron or like he's mad like cool or whatever. Like he's probably like a part of his team and like he just wanted the extra shot. Like I'm thinking whatever, you know, he's probably obviously going to be bigger than me and he's probably going to know a lot more than me. Bullshit. Because the second that he got on stage and plugged in his USB, the first thing that he does is tug on my jacket or on my shirt or whatever the fuck I was wearing. And he goes, hey, how do you link the CDJs? And I was like, I like looked at him and dude, I was so out of focus at that moment that I almost forgot to transition. And he was like, yeah, how do you link the CDJs? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're the guy that took my set and you don't know how to do the thing that you're supposed to be doing. And like after that, it made the fact that I brought all those people and we left so much better. But yeah, that that was like one of those situations that it was about to be super fucked up had I not like put my foot down. Right. But I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna take this. Like, I'm gonna leave it at face value. I'm gonna fucking get my people. We're gonna pull up, have a good time. We're gonna spend all the money that we want at the bar. But the second that I'm done and I walk out that back door, that room is gonna be empty. And that's that's it. That's that's and what's up. crazy is that that same promoter. Yeah. The same promoter texted me a couple or either I think she like called me or texted me a couple weeks later mm. and she's like, yo, or cause she met me outside after my set and she was like, yo, you killed it. You pulled a crazy crowd. Like it was dope. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she said everything that I wanted her to say because she was like, oh, um, we'll stay in contact. Let's see if we can do this again. And out obviously like I, I was like, yeah, of course, like whatever. Bullshit. I'm not doing this shit again because you fucked me over. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put up with that. So in my head, I'm thinking, all right, I won. Like that's it. 
I'm, I'm leaving the situation how it was. And I left. She texted me a couple of weeks later and she was like, hey, I got a crazy fucking set for you. It's coming up now in October. It's going to be like a, like a bomb ass set. I feel like you fit right in. And she didn't tell me the artist. And I was like, well, who's the artist? And she's like, oh, it's a Borgor. And I'm thinking like, oh, cool. I'm not taking it because that's, I know what you're going to do. You're going to make me play a fucking opener set. And then you're going to put somebody who evidently probably doesn't know how to use the CDJs above me. Mm. And I'm not, I'm like, I'm not going to bite. So I spoke to Wayne and Andres because they're like, they're powerhouse. Shout out powerhouse. Yeah, shout, they're shout like out, my, my, my two fathers. Shout out to Andres, man. Yeah. Shout out Wayne and Andres. Andres. Andres they know how to take care of me. Yeah. And I told her specifically, yo, if you want to book me, you got to go through them first. And sure enough, Andres called me and that person called him or was texting him. Oh yeah, I want to put, I want to put Auntie on, on this border lineup. And Andres was like, you technically can't play it. And I'm like, no, fuck that. Because I got, I got pissed because of the last time I'm not doing that again. And he was so ecstatic because he was like, dude, this, like, this, this guy fucking understands that you can make your own decisions. You know what you can do and you know your worth. Yeah. And like right after um, we got on like a three-way call with, uh, with Wayne and Andres and, and they were like, yo, okay, you're not going to play Borgor there, but you're going to play for Borgor when he comes to Fort Lauderdale, which was a bigger show. It was a bigger crowd. It was a longer set time mm. and it was a better set time. And that was literally the last show that I played like a couple weeks ago. And I had a fucking blast. Whereas to, I probably would have opened in front of nobody. Whereas to now I had a crowd. I had people that like came up to me. The interactions were way better. I grew like 30 plus followers. Like it's how it was supposed to be intended to, you know, from the right. jump. Exactly. So I don't know if that's like any knowledge to any fucking producers or locals that no, listen. No, bro. It's always good. It's always worth, good. Dog. It's always good to put out your stories and experience in my show, bro. Because I encourage that. Because... I had similar experiences with the with with what you had, bro. I've done, have had it so many times, and it's always great to hear these stories because, bro, it needs to be said, bro. It needs to be put out for anybody who's listening to, bro. They need to learn this type of shit, bro. Because if they're gonna come mm -hmm. into this industry go blindly, they're gonna encounter some of this shit and. In your situation, you 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 basically say go fuck off, right? Because you know, but any other chump will be like, okay, that's fine. You know, they walked me over. I mean, at least yeah. I get to go to another show. Yeah, exactly. And that and that's and that's where you lose your integrity. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's you need to be willing to put your foot down. And I don't care if your music is like subpar or if other people think it's shit. You have to have like some knowledge of self-worth, man. Yeah. Like I know I, I relate to you because I know what it is to sit at my laptop for eight hours, 10 hours out of the day working mm -hmm. on a track. I know what it is to prep a USB. I know what it is to like wash your entire record box, put in a bunch of new tracks. I know what it's like to fucking queue everything up. I know the painstaking progress. I know the effort that you're putting in. And I want those people to be able to like fucking do what they're meant to be doing like exactly. not don't get don't sell yourself short dog don't sell yourself short and that's that's like that was one of my biggest realizations this year mm. specifically because of that situation dude because i like i look back into when alex and i were doing sigfig mm. and we had all the opportunities in the world 
and super grateful for all of them. And we did fuck up a few, which I have another funny story to tell you about that oh. as well. Um, but um, it's, it's nothing crazy. We were just late to a set that Paul Campbell put us on. And I was like so fucking butthurt about it. But um, dude, we got stuck in Miami traffic leaving like two hours before the actual set. Oh, and we I know up, that like, set. Literally as... I know that set. Yeah, it was it was that mis- yeah it was that mischievous. We were they we got put into that show, and dude, uh, Alex at the time was living in Plantation, and we were like, yeah, we're gonna we'll fucking leave two hours early. We had our shit ready. We were dressed, dude. We got into the absolute worst traffic that I have ever been stuck in, oh, and fucking we we showed up. We showed up, no joke, with like a minute thirty seconds in left of our set. That the other person before was playing. And I was like, holy shit, we fucking we screwed it over, bro. But yeah, I, me- but I yeah, remember the, that set. The, yeah, there was a lot of lot of craziness happening behind the scenes, it's like finding somebody to to fill up your sh- your shoes on that set. Yeah, dude. That was such a fucking and like, yo, I'm a pretty punctual person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, I like to show up like an hour before my set, two hours before my set, just to fucking know that I'm there. And if I fuck up my USB or some shit, like I like taking precautions, dude. And I really did take precautions that day and fucking I got Damn. screwed over a big time. Damn, that sucks, bro. But that is what it is. But yeah, back to the other thing. Definitely um, having those opportunities like that, even though we fucking kind of took the shitter on that one. Um, I'm glad that we had them at the time that we had them because we were still like kids. We were still like Alex had just turned like 20. I was right. just turning 19 um, and I knew that like we were just getting every situation that we could and we weren't necessarily looking at the consequences. We got lucky because we were playing really good events, but now that I see it and now that I rebranded as a solo artist, mm. I understand like the difficulties of having to deal with like the local bullshit and yeah. the stuff that these people have to go through when you're like fucking first starting out. So, but definitely don't sell yourself short, man. Like you're a thousand percent worth it. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely, bro. Like, and don't let any of these people tell you it's like giving you these empty promises. Don't feel feeding to that bullshit, bro. Because, oh man, if I told you the many times that they told me to push my sets, and I'm like, okay, sure. Like, how long is that? Well, now your set instead of being 45 minutes, it's gonna be 30. It's gonna be 20. It's like, wow, okay. Well, you know, fuck yeah, me. They right? always get fuck shorter me. and shorter. Yeah, they always get shorter <laughs> and shorter. They always get shorter and that's shorter. Why, that's why I was an <laughs> asshole to every fucking body when it comes to my set, and and I tell and I tell everybody after my set, yo, I I apologize if I was short with you, but bro, they promised me at this hour, I'm gonna play at this hour. I don't care what anybody says. And then yeah, I it, it has happened a couple of times, and I feel bad for. For Sigfig, you know, because it, most of the times in which they cut my my minutes, it it, it circles around Sigfig, and, and when Sigfig was on it, I was like, "Dude, I have to cut you, bro." It's like, "Why?" It's like, "It's my time, bro. It's my time." No, but it was got push push. It's Dude, like, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, bro. Like, talk to Lucho, talk to Pepe, talk to I don't know, like talk to somebody, but. I have to play, bro. Like I had to because knowing myself, yeah, bro. my shit is gonna cut too, and it has happened before, bro. And it was just like, damn, bro. The worst like, is when they try to do it like, oh, it, instead of cutting it short, they're like, oh, do you mind back to backing with that person? I'm like, I don't fucking know that guy. 
I don't know. Oh, I don't know if he's gonna fuck up my yeah. set. Like this shit was this shit was supposed to be for oh, me. Oh yeah. I'm like, dude. I I'm pretty sure he's probably cool people, but like, yo, yeah. now you're making me take a chance. Like, now oh, here's stop. the thing: when they try to do that to me, I make sure that I do it with people that I know that I'm comfortable doing. Like with DNA, Snooko, and Artigy. Like probably those are like the only people who have ever done back to back on any of these shows. Like if I had to share my spotlight with somebody, I'll do it with them because, you know, like I know them. So it's like, okay, cool. Like I'll do yeah. I'll do those back to backs, you know, but if, if it's somebody that I've never met before or I have met before. But like I said, like, I don't know how how he DJs. I don't know how he does things. You know, I don't know how he moves the crowd. Yeah, like, you're taking a chance. You're taking a chance. Yeah, no, like I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't do that. I don't do it. It's only on, on people. And I remember, I'm, I was stern about that. I was like, no, unless I know the person like that, like I'm I'm not doing back to back with nobody. And and also, you got to also yeah, take, a, take a, take a, take a consideration. Some of these guys, some of these locals, like sometimes they don't know how to read the crowd, you know, and they just straight up go oh with my God. bangers. With bangers right early on, and you're like, no, dude, you need to chill, bro. You need to work it out. We can't just go ahead and go raw without the lube. We're out finessing without, you know, like, without, you know, like, you know, foreplay. You need to go foreplay before you, <laughs> like, bro. 100%, dude. 100%. And, and it has, and it's something 100%. that I like, bro. Like, I, and it sucks because every time I, fucking play i have to be the one to control the crowd bro because everybody was just like oh my god that was a sick banger show bro yeah he was like on the rhythm shit of banger blah, blah, blah. i'm like fucking hey i, oh I have god. to bring the energy back i have to maintain it contain it so that way the opener doesn't feel bad it's like oh it's this asshole who fuck it up and i'm like fuck me right fuck me I know. Oh my god, bro. yeah, dude. There's been oh my god. There's been so many times we played a lot of shows in like those two years, and that was like a very prevalent thing. We we're like, damn, bro. And now we got to fucking. We had this whole set planned out. We wrote an intro. Right. Like everything was fucking ready, and then now like this dude just played throwing elbows like six times, and now I got to fucking like. It's like, dude. Ugh. But no, I I feel that, bro. I feel that. There's so many funny things that happen in the DJ world. Oh my god, so many things, bro. There was the, I remember there was this set that they did Hoochie. You remember that trap duel Hoochie? Bro, I remember, I remember Hoochie. uh Damn, they, uh, they put me as a closer. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll be the closer. Like fuck fuck I care. I listened to Hoochie and I was like, damn, these guys are that like their trap is so mellow. Like it's it's hard trapping yeah. it mellow, like it doesn't hard. So I was like, uh, I was like, uh, sure, I guess they put me as a closer. Every guy before Hoochie, they were all rhythm heads. They were all hit rhythm yeah. heads. So they were all with their dub plates and shit. And I say this with the with with all my heart. I hate rhythm. Okay, thank God. I didn't want to be the only one to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I hey, I'm I an advocate. I'm an advocate of saying, yo, rhythm is basically the techno version of dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dude. I hate bro. I have so many friends that like do it too. And like I wanna like fucking support you guys, but fuck, dude. Like I do, and don't get me wrong, I do support my friends. I support all my rhythm homies. 
even fucking like Vaxels does his shit. Yeah. Fucking Wayne has messed around with it. I support them a thousand percent. But yeah, you will never fucking catch me at a rhythm show. Nah. You will never catch me nah, at a rhythm show. Never, bro. Not yeah, you I, won't catch me dead on one unless unless some fucking crazy shit was happening and I needed to be there. But nah, I, I fuck just that. I'm not, I'm not I can't. You know. I try. I try and I hate it even more. Like if you give me some rhythm like from Virtual Riot, okay, I can fuck with that type of rhythm. But if you give me some rhythm from Infect and Murder, I can't fuck with that, bro. I honestly can. Dude. Because it's just so... It's cool if you drop a track like once once every couple of like whatever. But like, dude, an entire like hour of rhythm, I'm going to blow my brains out. It's just... No, I can't. I can't. Like, I, one or two, sure. Just to... Just to mellow things out. But if you go the whole set with just like it's the same. Oh my god! Oh my god! I was like, Nah, bro, nah, don't give me that bullshit, bro. I got mad with that hoochie show because I was like, I all I heard was just rhythm, 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 all night. And then when hoochie came along, it did its fin, and I was like, Okay. Now it makes fucking sense. Now I know why it's so mellow. Now I know why they put me as the closer because I'm the only one who's capable of throwing a heavy set. And I need to keep everybody stay, you know? But that Hushi shit was a shit show, to be honest, because there weren't anybody there. It was just like, if I had to count, there was like at least 20, 30 people for that Hushi show in space. That was horrible. And then Dude. by the time I was playing, there was nobody. So I was like, all right, cool. I just played for 10 minutes. Awesome. This this space is supposed to close Dude. at 5 a.m. I just did a 10-minute set. Yay for me. Oh, my God. I drove out here. I spent fucking gas, and I'm only going to play for 10 minutes. Oh, I bro. I was shit, fuming. Dude. Oh, my God. I was fuming. I, I hate I, that. Oh, t- bro. I cuss people out. I cuss. Good thing that my my mm. I, I have people that work in space. that They're all audio tech guys. They're in my world. That they're good friends of mine. Like, they, okay. they hooked me up on the drinks, bro. They, and... At the time, I was smoking weed Fire. at the time, and they hooked me up with some weed and drinks. I was just like, you know what? This this will mellow me down a little bit because I was just like fuming, bro. I was just like, I can't believe it. And the downstairs space was much more lit than than this. I was just like, this is some bullshit, bro. But they made it up for me by opening up for Adventure Club. And I, okay. I went at Fear Factory. And the cool thing about it is that it just so happened that Adventure Club played my song twice on Lollapalooza. Oh, no shit. Yeah. You remember the song that I did with Big and Slim, Granada? Holy shit. Yes, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. Holy fuck. Yeah, bro. Adventure Club played that song twice in Lollapalooza. No kidding, bro. No fucking kidding. That's insane. I just saw Big and Slim. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, bro. That's insane, Those are my homies. Shout out to Big and Slim, bro. Chris and Andres. And... Yeah, that was that was the first time a, a big artist played my song. First time ever. And no kidding. It, it was wildly no popular. And when when news traveled about it, because I wasn't even aware, I didn't know that they did that. I was jumping off the roof. Right. I called big. I was like, bro, what the fuck? 
do you know that Adventure Club play our song? It's like, no, bro. They their set on Lollapalooza was slam. There was a lot of people. It was by the time it was in the 11th minute of the set and it was just slammed and people were just fucking with it. No fucking way. And it was because of that, the promoters were like, okay, then, hey, do you want to open for Adventure Club? Because we know that you're, they played your music. I'm like, fuck yeah, when I open up for them, the fuck? Like, oh, yeah, what? Dude. Of course That's I did. That's huge. That's that, huge. That was huge. That was That's huge. That was probably the best night of my life because that was actually the first time Needy Greedy debuted himself as a DJ. Like he opened up in, in Fear Factory when there was literally nobody out there. We were all there jamming for his shit. And then they were just like, you know, like they couldn't open the, the doors for Fear Factory a little bit earlier for him. And, you know, Paul was just like, what the fuck? Or like, all right, I'm going to put you on the after party. And I talked to Needy's um, other manager, Cheryl. Shout out to you, Cheryl. You're going to come to an episode whether you like it or not. Um, she was dope. <laughs> she's she's family. She's family. And I told her like, hey, um, I'm opening for Adventure Club. Why doesn't he come over and do a back to back with me? And like, no, we can't do that to you. Okay. Like, you know, like that's your set. You work hard for that one. Like, you can't do that. Well, don't worry. We'll put it on the local stage. I'm like, Nah, fuck that. Just tell him to come over. Like, we're going to have a, a fun time. I mean, he and I would be practicing together. It's like, why not? Just tell him to come yeah. over. Yeah. And we did. And we fucking nailed it in that show. And the rest is history. That's rest awesome, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, I, I got to fucking... I, I got to give props to, to Ricky, bro. Because he was the first track that Alex and I had worked on. Because when he came out with the Confession EP, mm -hmm. um, he did like the remix competition. Remix, right. Yeah. And I remember, and I remember we, Alex and I, like we, at the same time, we texted each other. And we're like, yo, like Nitty's doing a fucking remix competition. We've been listening to these tracks for like the last two weeks. Dude, why don't we like fucking try it? Like we've met him a couple times before. Like we're cool right. with him. And bro, we, I remember he did both tracks. Um, or rather, he did one off of Confession, mm -hmm. and then he did um, one of his other ones that he did like on a debut EP. And I was like, "All right, look, bet Alex, do one song, and then I'll do another song, and we'll fucking like we'll swap ideas in the morning. I'll send you the version that I did for this track, and you send me the other one." And bro, within like two days, we had two fucking really good like remixes. One of which he ended up playing at Space Yacht. Oh, and that was like the first time that that was like the first time that like a bigger artist that had ever played something that like I had made right like at a bigger stage and, and like friend front of so many people and I was and we didn't find out up until like bro no joke like probably like a month and a half after and we were like holy shit because the set ended up getting recorded and then pu published on SoundCloud so oh, it was the, it, that was the fucking insane. Set. The Space Jet said, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. You guys were, yeah. they played like your remits. Yeah, dude. He, he, I remember he like, he played like the original, obviously. And then like at the breakdown, he ended up queuing up ours. And like, we were fucking flipping out. I remember because at the time I was, uh, I was at SAE mm. and I was, we were in uh, the Toft room, which is like one of the studios there. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're an SAE alumni? I Well, so I was 
attending and then I have to stop and now I'm finishing up. So I'm actually technically graduating now in November. Bro, I'm an SA alumni. There you go. Same house. Same, same house. house. Bro, me and Ricky, we literally graduate together. Yep. We were in the same yep. modules. Yep. That's fire, dude. That's fire. Uh, holy That's shit. Fire. Another SA alumni in my show, bro. You're number five in my in my show. Huge bro. shout out. That's what's really up. no kidding. Yeah, you're my number five. Yeah, Rick, Ricky was one. I have Frank Socorro in it as well. Yesterday, I had one of my, another one of my alumni, Chavalo, who sells as well. And you, you're okay. number five. Dude, yeah. Yeah. I'm an SAE, baby. Let's go. Let's go, SAE. See, we're taking over, bro. Shout we're out taking SAE, over. Dude. Yeah, that's what Shout I'm talking about. Shout out, SAE. Shout out, SAE. Hey, I got to give my props to SAE. Shout out, because SAE, man. It's because of SAE. I am where I am, bro. I like half of the stuff that I've oh, percent that I've managed to pull through. If it wasn't for the knowledge that I got from SAE, I probably wouldn't be this far, you know? Like shit, it's because of SAE. Yeah. No, I, I just so happened to be with somebody and he was telling me about, hey, Life and Color is looking for DJs. And then from looking there for Life go. and Color and DJs to where I am, I'm like, bro, it all happened in SAE. It's wild. Yep. That's what's yep. up. I gotta. Bro. I have such a love. I have such a love for everybody at that school and for everybody that like teaches there and hangs yes. out there and yes. all the staff, bro. Yes. Those people are the fucking bread and butter, dude. I love those guys. So, but yeah, I we were. I was in the room uh, and somebody sent us a DM and they're like, "Yo, did you just play your shit?" And we stopped the session that we were doing and we, we hooked up our laptop to the board. Yeah. And we were listening to that. Do we I remember we played it, dude, like fucking like seven times because we just couldn't believe it. And yeah, we ended up fucking finding out that That's we played our shit. Fire, bro. Congratulations on that. That's fire. Appreciate that, bro. bro. So Appreciate that. let me ask you, because you, you actually were talking about making remixes. What's actually your creative process when it comes to start making music? Honestly, um, I have like a weird dogma where I I always tell myself the music writes itself. You're going to catch ideas. You're going to catch like, for instance, all my ideas for some reason. I like I've only ever told like one other person this, but all my ideas come to me while I'm in the shower. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck it is. That's like it's like one hey, of my it's like no, this is my happy place. Hey, hey, there's there's actually a psychology behind it. And if you watch um Nitty Gritty's episode that I did with him, we actually dwelled into that mm-hmm. and we discussed it. And the reason why there's a joke about like, oh yeah, all the great ideas come in the shower, it's because um normally Normally, your bodies, you do stuff automatically without thinking. Like, when you go to sleep, you do that automatically. You don't have to think about it. Like, you know, you just go to sleep. When you have yeah, to take a yeah. when you have to take a shower, you know what you have to do. You shampoo, soap all around, water, that's it. That's automatically. You don't need to think of that. When you're driving, you don't need to think much about driving. You already know. Your body is already, like, set and programmed to do that stuff. So when you're doing stuff like that, that that your body does it automatically and you don't have to think of, literally there's a psychology behind that, that it frees up your brain from space. Like it frees up space inside. Okay. And literally that's when other stuff that you've been thinking before comes into fruition. Like that whole creative pro- part of you, like all of a sudden comes like, 
oh my God, I know how to do this. Oh my God, I know how to fix this. Like, oh my God, I love this beat. I'm I'm humming into this song. I, I fucking love, oh, I got to go straight to the door. It happens. Even when you're taking a dump, you're not thinking about taking a dump. Yeah. You're just doing it. It just does it automatically. And all of a sudden it's like, holy shit. I know how to make the sickest growl right now. And then you just finish it up and just go and yeah. just do it. There's, there's that thing because basically your brain is freeing up space from stuff that you're always thinking about. And when you're doing stuff that you don't need, you don't need to think about, it just comes out naturally. That's why that's right. why it, that's right. why that it makes works. sense. That makes total sense. But yeah, I get like probably 80% of my ideas. There's actually, if I look deep enough on my phone, mm. there's for sure voice notes. Oh. Of me like humming a melody or me humming something, yeah. but I'm you can the hear boat. the shampoo yeah. is falling in the background. <laughs> you can hear the water running. So, but yeah, a lot of the times is that I get an idea, and if I'm not near my computer, I make sure that I get it on my phone, okay. and um, I just yeah, if I need to, I'll, I'll I'll like have my phone next to me, or I'll send myself the wave file, and I'll just build off of that. And a lot of the times. At least for me, um, I'm either like 50-50. 50% of the time, I'll have like a drop in my head. Mm. And then 50% of the time, I'll have an intro in my head. Okay. So I can like probably, I could probably like think of like the 4 million projects that I have on my laptop. And 2 million of them are just straight intros. And then 2 million of them are like fucking just straight drops. So, so so basically it's random. When you start, when you open at the DOS session, it's random. It's whatever hits first on you, that's what you work on. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I do have um like I do have a weird thing where I know if something is sounding good mm-hmm. and if I have the idea there, whether it's the intro or a build-up or a drop or a breakdown, whatever it could be, mm. I know that maybe the rest of the track isn't gonna come to me right then and there. Sometimes it does. Um but I know that if I work on that one chunk and make it sound exactly how I hear it in my head, yeah, then the rest will come eventually. But um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Sometimes, like I said, the music writes itself. You just gotta catch it at the right opportunity. Okay. So when it comes to sound designing, do you believe that sound designing is is a luxury or a necessity? Mm. Dude, that's a good fucking question. I know. Um, I asked this to every producer. I think it's uh, I think it's a skill mm-hmm. in today's day and age that even if it's like a beginner's sense, mm-hmm. if you can get that down, you're already putting yourself above a larger group of people that are only working with presets. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. using presets are wrong. Like if you load up a preset and you tweak the fuck out of it, whatever, that's fine. I don't go fuck, but you're already putting yourself because you're going to know what sounds like what, and you're going to know what this knob does and what this filter does and what this envelope does to this thing. You know, like everybody fucking uses serum. Yeah. Everybody uses serum. I know you guys fucker. I know whoever listens to us at one point you fucking put on FM to A and you crank the fuck out of that knob and you liked what it sound. So a lot of it, I do think, is it is definitely a necessity if you want to start beating the curve. Mm. I definitely think that once you get to a ledge, like a, a, a like a legendary status where you know, like, damn, I know how to use like serum or phase plant or silence to the point where like you know how to do everything in that fucking BST. 
or whatever, whatever it could be. Um, at that point, it's a luxury because you already fucking know what you want. And that's just going to take like a little bit of time for you to go and fucking get that done. I like that. I have, I literally dedicate, yeah, I literally dedicate like days to where I don't even really write music. I just sound design for like maybe an hour or two. I come up with something and I've been doing that, no joke, for like two years now. Right. And I like, that's like the one thing that I don't regret at all because I'll like be bummed out that like I didn't write anything, but I know that I just whipped up like fucking three or four sounds right. that I'm going to eventually use later on in like, another project like i have this one specific like weird fm flute sound that is so like common now in my tracks that like it literally came from one of those sessions and now i fucking make sure that i use it because i don't hear anybody else that has that sound. and becomes your own signature sound and that's how you actually yeah, separate yourself 100%. from everyone else that's i love that i love 100%. it 100% hundred percent. Make yeah, that dude. shit as your own shit, bro. I love it. Keep at it, bro. And let me tell you, bro. I have, uh, yeah. Everybody fucking uses serum. And at one point, I saw serum at from before, before, before it became what it is right now, which is oversaturated. I said it myself, like, and I was talking to Adair, who happens to be Careless Castle right now. Um, I was talking okay. to him, and he, I was telling him, like, I feel like serum is becoming a very overrated and oversaturated plugin because everybody has it. Everybody and their mother has it. Yep. And everybody tends to use the same the same formula, you know? Like it's no longer a secret. Like everybody knows it and he and he argue he argues back to me and say like, "Well, you know, that's if you have no creativity, that's if you want to sound the same." But Serum is a limitless uh plugin. Like you can do so much more. And I, I counter with him on that, saying like, yeah, but you, there's so much that you can only do on Serum that it becomes like, okay, what else is there? Because obviously everybody can fuck around with whatever wave terror they want, but we all know that the cleanest way for you to make a sick shit on Serum is if you use basic shapes. I don't care what anybody says. A thousand percent. Use basic shapes. That's like the cleanest way to make a, a to make a great sound design on serum to make anything anything at all right. that's the cleanest way right. because if you start doing other other wave tablers it becomes a little bit phased out and then you have to clean that out and if you don't notice that because you feel like it sounds the same but it's facing the shit out of it and you need to mix that down then you know you go out notice you know and no yeah a hundred percent and that's where I tell everybody it's like all right do what I what what mode step and crimson child has taught me do what do what i do is that make that one sound on serum and resample it like resample yeah. it like yeah, 100%. 100 times until you destroy the sound and make a drop out of that one sound and before you know it you yep. have a nasty drop that that every sound may sound as different but it all came from that one sound and it sounds very cohesive Sounds cool. He said because it makes sense. Yep. That's the that's a secret that I tell everybody when they do resample. And I feel like resample should be the same thing. That's why, like, bro, I don't need to use serum anymore. Give me a sample pack for anywhere, and I'll resample the shit out of it that you will never, never would expect that I that I took this sound. This sound came from a sample pack. You would never know because I 
fucked it up so much that it sounds like a brand new sound. And bro, just resampling. When I say resampling, throw in some VSTs, throw in some effects. Like in Ableton, throw some of the stock plugins like Echo, like um, Frequency Shifter, you know, Redots. Um, what what else? There's like there's so there's other shit like the LFO Corpus. Like, do those effects and don't fuck shit up. If you want to do other plugins, like, go use Portal. Go use Fracture XT. Like, some of these, like, all you need is that. And fuck around with it. Bro, you're going to... That's how you stand out. Because that's how you're going to make the most original drop ever. And that's why I'm so proud with my songs that are coming out next week and next month or so. Because it's the most original shit I've ever done in my life. And I'm so proud that I did those, you know, so I can't wait for it. And it and it works. It's it works. Like if I manage to do it, you can do it, you know, and it's something that I tell everyone. No, yeah, dude. Yeah. My like was the track that I just put out my first like debut track as a solo artist. Yeah. Like I've I believe like in simplicity, dude, the main bases for that song are literally just like saw waves. And they're just blown to shit because I spent like an extra 45 minutes tweaking one and then layering and then doing the same thing and then taking that, converting to audio. And I get that. I have another sound like for my melodic tracks that like fucking nobody would be able to tell that it's a fucking sample that Mm -hmm. I blasted through like 17 OTTs, a bunch of frequency shifters, a bunch of this and that. Like you wouldn't be able to tell. But now I know nobody has that sound. Exactly. And like... It feels good. It feels super good. It's like it's like fucking buying a car that you know no one else is gonna have. Right, right. That's dope, it's such bro. a good feeling. Such a good feeling. That's dope, bro. But yeah, that's I, I I love doing that. I love sound designing. To me, is is low key just as fun as as fucking producing like an entire record. I love doing it. It's it's. I feel like it's also extremely good practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I know. Like for instance, like I. Like I know I deal a lot with uh like with writer's block mm-hmm. and um it's a pretty common thing. Like I can go uh, whether a couple days or like two weeks or three weeks or so you do even believe months. in like, writer's block. I, it sucks. It's natural. It's a completely natural thing. Okay. And I promise you, I've gone like an entire year without like being able. But in the meantime, you can't like you can't sell yourself short and think that you're not going to write anything because no like you can write 10 projects a day mm-hmm. maybe only one or two of them are going to sound good and there's a possibility that one out of those two you might actually finish and release mm-hmm. so you kind of have to train yourself and while you're on your off time and you're not necessarily fucking like like hey let's say you make dubstep let's say you make really good dubstep but you're on like a 3 month writers block in that meantime, bro, go make house. Go make drum and bass. Mm. Go make a hip-hop beat. Keep that muscle in your brain trained to using your DAW, to knowing where everything is, to knowing what sounds good, to knowing what sounds cool when you tweak it. Because then when you may make a really dope hip-hop beat and you're like, fuck, you know, I remember when I added frequency shifter on that one thing or, or added portal to that one atmospheric sound right. and it sounds super good. And then you throw that into an EDM track and now everybody's like, holy shit, this is brand new. And it's like, nah, bullshit. I made this like six months ago. So train your brain, dude. Like that's, but yeah, I, I like a thousand percent believe in writer's block. I actually go through writer's block so fucking frequently that it's like borderline like, 
I, it's like almost on schedule. I'll like write a dope track and then like right. for like a week and a half, I'm like, oh my God, that track was so good. How am I going to keep up after this? And then like two weeks will pass and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good. I don't have to worry. That's what's up, man. And I feel for it. I actually have experienced some of those writer block moments, man. Yeah, like I, when I'm in that, I I just do I just do some of my hobbies, you know. I just detach myself and do stuff that I genuinely like, and then eventually it's gonna bite me back and say like, "Oh shit, I gotta go back to the studio." Like I need to make I need to finish this. So you know, I feel that, dude. We're gonna. I, I have the same thing. I go ahead. I was gonna say that no, I I have the same thing. Like when I'm not producing an engineer, I'm not removing myself from music right. at all. I'm just doing different shit and keeping my brain in the same headspace so that I know when I go to sit down, I'll be able to write again. That's pretty much it. So we got like a few more questions and we can wrap this up, man. First, for sure, first for sure. one is, why is it that you decided to call yourself The Hunted? Oh, I knew it. I knew I was going to get, I knew it. I knew it. I knew I was going to get asses. I knew I was going to get asses. So it's um, the project started and I was fucking like trying to dig for a name and I didn't want to do something like something I guess I wanted to do something different I knew that for sure but I wanted it to be I wanted to pay homage to honestly to like my family and the reason that I called myself the hunted is because my mom is from Ecuador she moved here when she was 19 she left the, she fled the country. She got, she basically was like leaving her entire life and family behind. She has a huge family. She left her entire family behind and took a chance in like the country that we are in now. And there was like, like this sense of like resonance that I had specifically. Like, uh, I remember being super sad about like the border crisis a couple of uh, like, I think it was like last year, the year prior to that. And I remember just feeling super heartbroken because I know that there's kids. I know that there's people that aren't allowed to experience the opportunity to a new life. And they're almost in a sense prosecuted by their homelands because they want an opportunity to try something new. And I kind of like internalized that. And I understood like, damn, like my mom kind of did the same thing. And my fucking dad's parents did the same thing. And it, in a way, it felt like those people were, in a sense, being shunned or being hunted by these people that try to make it seem like, damn, like these people are just like fleeing away. Like they, they have opportunities. They're like, I hated looking at it like that. And I, I wanted to like kind of involve something with that. And this project started with a short story that I ended up writing before I even like knew that the brand was going to be what it was. And it was a story based off of someone that fucking, I wrote like an entire like movie plot, but cause I like writing, right. but um, the premise was about uh, uh, a child from a different country that was under a dictatorship and uh, was fed up with the way that things were and wanted to flee. And the governmental powers of that country didn't want that to happen. So that child ended up becoming hunted. 
and then the name turned into the hunted and then it like clicked one day and I'm like, holy shit, like this is fucking perfect. Like this resonates with something that I really, really believe with. And it sounds really fucking cool. So I, I landed on that. And um, ever since that, like I, I knew that it was a perfect way to involve speaking for people mm-hmm. and speaking for myself and the things that I resonate with. So that's pretty much it. That's, that's kind of where the name came from. That's dope, bro. That's pretty dope, man. I'd love to hear that. Appreciate so, that. So what has been your greatest accomplishment up to now? Ah, that's a good one too. Um, <laughs> I got two more in a way. Ones, though, so in a, prepare. No, yeah, you're on. You're fucking on fire. Um, <laughs> that that's a good one. In a way, um, I feel like maybe I haven't necessarily hit it yet, but I know that I'm on the right path to getting it because I recently like went through a lot of like mental shifts in my life and and I went through a really really important like transitional period okay uh like mentally and like emotionally and I now understand that like music is where I find happiness and if I can like lock in that happiness then I don't give a shit if I close EDC or Tomorrowland main stage I don't it like it won't it won't fucking matter to me if I know that the music that I had fun making in my room or at the studio, mm-hmm. if it affected at least one person in a good way and they let that person kind of forget about their bullshit for right. a minute, 30 seconds, two minutes, right. then that's, that's the biggest fucking accomplishment, bro. Because I know that something that I created for myself, somebody else resonated with. Um, in terms of like production, probably take a Grammy. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to like materialize it probably just take a grammy or something maybe not even for edm maybe for like pop or hip-hop i don't know i have i've but like if, if it was a materialistic thing yeah i'd probably take a grammy home so, but just to say that i did it and that i know that i was able to do it but aside from that if i know that my music can connect people on a on if i know like i play a festival and like 20 people show up to my set, but those 20 people don't have to worry about their day job for like the hour that I'm on stage. Yeah. And they, they can let their lives go the same way that I left my, I leave my life before when I go on to play right. and I play my music and I do this. Right. If I know that they can like mentally accept like, damn bro, I don't have to worry about my fucking day job. I don't have to worry about my bills. I don't have to worry about my boyfriend or my girlfriend. I'm here for myself and I'm having fun. If I know I can like resonate with people like that, then that's probably like, my, my my biggest goal and my biggest accomplishment thus far because that's something that I want to keep doing. What are you currently doing and what do you hope to accomplish? Fully involve my life strictly around music. That's what I'm doing right now mm-hmm. and that's probably going to be what I'm doing until I'm six feet under. Like I, I genuinely don't find bliss anywhere else. I'm so like super grateful for the people that I've met, the experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. And I want to keep on doing this because I know that it makes me happy and I know that it makes me feel good and I know that it makes other people feel good. As for what I'm doing right now, making music every day, living like a double life where like my first 12 hours out of the day, I'm an engineer. And then the next 12, I get to come home and play on Ableton for 12 more hours. So it's kind of like a, I've been calling it like the Spider-Man complex. Yeah. So like, Day during the day, I'm Peter Parker. At night, I'm the hunted. That's it. Sounds dope. So that's that's pretty much what I want to keep doing. One last question, and we can wrap this up. Um, let's just say that 
out of the blue, you're walking down the street and an alien spaceship came down and is t- went to you straight and says like, yo, hunt it. We need your help. Only you can help us, man. You're the only person that's around. Please come over to our spaceship. We need your help. But before you do, here's a piece of paper. Write three pieces of advice that you will give to someone. What are those three pieces of advice? Okay. Know your worth. Mm. Understand that you're like to, uh, to elaborate, know your worth and understand that no matter whatever happens to you in your life and whatever uphill struggles mm. or, you know, your lowest moments and your high moments. Yeah. Um, keep that with you. So know, you know, keep, keep like, don't sell yourself short. Know your worth Two, don't live with regret. Mm-hmm. Take everything in for what it is, whether it's good and bad and be grateful. And three is just have fun. You're on borrowed time. You know, we're not, nothing is guaranteed. So make the best of whatever it is that you do. That's pretty dope, bro. I liked it, man. Well, man, thank you so much for this, bro. I really appreciate you coming over to the show. I had an amazing conversation with you and got to know you even further more, man. And you're such a dope person, man. I look forward to hearing you as a fellow SAE and as a fellow producer i look forward to listening to you even more and more i hope i wish you nothing but the best please send me some of your music i would definitely want to hear some of that stuff and before we leave thank you bro thank you plug yourself out let the people know where they can find you and where they what can they expect from you in the future sick okay uh okay I, i always like run this in my head but uh the hunted music underscore on instagram uh soundcloud.com forward slash the hunted music uh twitter same thing you can find me on spotify itunes uh all those other platforms blah blah blah. and what am i going to be doing in the future uh cool i got i'm probably going to start playing shows again soon because i'm almost done with school so i get to see you guys out there uh lots of new music coming promise that's what's up man peace and blessings kisses there you go man well (laughs) thank you very much hunter for coming here to the show you're a friend of the show you're more than welcome to come back here man And thank you guys for listening. And remember, every week is a brand new episode or a brand new topic. So be sure to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Comment down below. Let me hear your thoughts. Share your experiences. If you guys got a specific topic that you want me or Hunter to cover, please let us know on the comments down below and we'll do our best to cover it at the next episode. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys at the next one. Peace.